0: There was a raging wedding reception here last night, I guess, so there's cake stains all over the place, and none of us got invited, I guess, so, but we were, we got to see the aftermath this morning when we showed up here, so let's pray together and begin. Father, we thank you so much for being here. God, we're grateful just to be able to come to service today and to to sing and to hear from you, God. We just... We ask that you to give us the ability to focus through your presence, God, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in this time. Open up your Word and our hearts, God. I just I, I invite you to um, to just we open ourselves our, our to you. We invite you to probe deep into our lives, God. Help us to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well. We're we're talking about this idea of happiness. We've been looking at this for a couple of weeks. And are there any Star Wars fans here? Anybody? It's okay. It's okay. Any Star Wars? Anybody like Yoda? Any Yoda fans? Yoda. I'm kind of a Yoda fan. I didn't really get into Star Wars, but I did enjoy Yoda because I just thought he was a funny character. You know, he's got this old, shriveled, pointed-eared ninja kind of character that could. You know, take care of business if you needed to. And uh, I just love his little sayings. He he had this kind of a backwards approach to talking. And I looked it up. It's called hyperbaton. And, uh, or hyperbaton, hyperbaton, something like that. Anyway, it's a figure of speech that uses a deliberate departure away from standard word order syntax. He just, he would mix things up in order to emphasize his points. And so if you were his... Um, learner, or what do they call them? Pada, Pada, Padawan. Not that you're a fan, but you happen to know. <laughs> if you were his disciple, his Padawan, then uh, you need to be able to interpret his different, his different sayings, right? So here's some sayings from uh, Yoda. He would say, Grave danger you are in, impatient you are. That's a, that's a Yoda saying. Another one is, Always in motion is the future. Or, help you I can. Yes. I thought that was a funny one. Or, strong I am with the force. So Yoda always would, he'd say things and you'd kind of have to, I always enjoyed trying to figure out what's Yoda saying here, really. And uh, he had this backwards way of saying things. And we're not really used to that in in America. You know, none of us really walk up to anybody and, you know, cheeseburger I will have. We don't don't use the Yoda (laughs) approach, you know. You are. How? We don't do that. And so we we just kind of, we expect people to just tell us straightforward, up front, in, in normal word order, what what they're trying to tell us, right? And so, but w- when things are not lying plain on the surface, especially in Scripture, it sometimes, it confuses us. Sometimes we, we don't quite know how to put it together. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus was often misunderstood by, by um, the people of his day. Not like Yoda. He didn't use backwards phrases, but he used different kinds of speech forms that would emphasize his points. He would use hyperbole, which is somewhat similar. It's, a, it's an extreme, exaggerated statement in order, in order to really get someone's attention so that you'd really focus in on what he's saying. And so sometimes we read the stories or we read the sayings of Jesus and we go, that sounds crazy. You know, that sounds backwards. That sounds that's kind of hard to that's kind of hard to get my mind around that. And and oftentimes they were just unexpected. You would not expect the things coming out of his mouth to be from from God. You know, it just seems backwards. And so we're looking at this idea of backwards happiness. We we've been in the book of Matthew chapter 5 looking at a passage of scripture known as um it's the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus He's got crowds and crowds of people who follow him and who are trying to get time with him and looking to be healed by him. And they, they follow him and he, he it says the scripture says he walks up to a mountainside, sits down, and he begins to speak to them. And he talks about what would bring lasting happiness. He uses this phrase nine times. Blessed are the... And last week we looked at that. Blessed are the, um, the poor in spirit. And last week we looked at a few other blessed statements and the word blessed, the the New Testament was written in Greek, and if you were to translate the word blessed, it could also be translated happy. So you could say blessed are, or you could say happy are, the poor in spirit. And so we've been tying this to, what, is it, what does it mean to have lasting happiness? A happiness that doesn't leave us when the external conditions in our life change. And so today we're going to look at four more insights that he gives out of this Sermon on the Mount. So... Let's do that together. The first thing, and there is an outline. There's a listening guide inside your bulletin. You can follow along if you'd like. So the first thing that Jesus says is, Happy are those with a spiritual appetite. Happy or blessed, or there's favor on those who have a spiritual appetite. How many of you know what a, a food craving is all about? Anybody know what that is like? It's early. Some of you might have a food craving right now, and the donuts just are not cutting it for you. And, uh, you know, you've got something you just have to have. And I know for me there's just certain times when I get certain food cravings. After um, going to the beach, I like to surf. And after I get done surfing, I like to eat Mexican food. And I found a place that serves a, an outstanding crab burrito down in Carlsbad. And so I just have this craving sometimes to get this. And I was really kind of hoping today to be able to get that, but I'm not feeling the greatest. So I uh, kind of let down on that craving. But sometimes late at night I, just, I crave a bowl of ice cream just vanilla ice cream, and I've rediscovered Magic Shell. And, uh, you know, if you've had that, it's just uh, it's like the ultimate. You know, and you could put as much as you want on your ice cream. You could drown one whole bottle on an ice cream bowl. But... Or sometimes I just have this craving around lunchtime for a Costco hot dog and a Coke, which is a strange craving, I think. But, but um, you know, we get these cravings, and, and typically when we think about cravings, we think about Who? Pregnant women, right, right. Pregnant women have cravings. Has anybody had any random pregnant craving that you'd like to share? Hot and sour soup. Chocolate and Cheetos. That is random. Yeah, we get these strange cravings. And so we all know about this idea of cravings. And then Jesus here, he challenges us about having a different kind of Craving. This is the same idea. Having a craving for something different. So Matthew 5, verse 6, he says this. says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He's talking about happiness belongs to the people who have a craving or a continuous and ongoing desire for personal righteousness. God wants us to have this real hunger, this thirst, to know more about him, and to see that his righteousness flow into our lives and begin to live that out. There's this, you know, we're not, typically we, we associate craving with food, and so it's hard to have a spiritual craving. It's, it's hard for us to get our minds around this. So he, he talks about a craving for righteousness, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And righteousness can be understood on two different levels. Um, first, if you've never really come to the point where you have decided to, to become a Christian, you've not decided to follow Jesus Christ, you're still processing what that means, then this what it means is it's this idea of being right with God, having a right relationship with God, having um, entering into a personal relationship with Him. Once you do that, when you hunger and thirst after His righteousness in your own life, it, there's, a, there's a filling that goes on. There's something. He, he satisfies what we are looking for. And so, if you're in that process, you know, there's there's a there's a blessing or there's favor on those who, who hunger and thirst after God, wanting more of Him in our lives, having the, a desire to get more of Him. There's a sense He's saying you don't have to go looking for that anywhere else. I can satisfy that desire, that craving in your life. For those of us who've already decided to follow Christ, if you've already become a Christian, then to hunger and thirst. For righteousness means to have this ongoing craving, just an ongoing, a daily craving to grow to be more like Him. It's this idea: I never stop having a hunger in my life to grow and become more like Jesus Christ. And when you when you do this, God's promise here is: for they will be satisfied. There is this um, filling that happens, and it's unlike anything else we can experience in life. This word in the in the original language for they will be filled. It's a word that was often refer- referring to animals who were allowed to eat until they couldn't eat anymore. They would just eat and eat and eat until they were completely full. And that's the picture here, is that God, if we'll crave after the right things, if we'll crave after Him, He, he will satisfy us that we'll, we'll truly meet our spiritual cravings, our longings from the inside. We don't have to look for that anywhere else. <clears throat> Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10, it says this, about the same idea. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. So there's this same idea of a craving here. Fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who, who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So our part is to seek Him. That's our part. His part is to satisfy us. And and sometimes we we have to be reminded of this that you know all I need to do is seek after God and He will satisfy the desires that I have He will satisfy I will meet the needs in my life, so so I'd like to ask you how is your how do you feel like this is going for your life How is your spiritual appetite How is your craving for righteousness To increase your appetite we've got to what we have to do is we have to develop a different kind of um, muscle. In our life, we have to develop some spiritual disciplines in our life that that begin to satisfy this craving that we have. And so, I've asked um, Darren Orshoff if you want to come up, Darren. He's going to come and share. Um, where's the microphone? There oh, it is. Darren is um, come on up here, Darren, and, or you can stand there if you want to put anything down. Um, Darren is uh, a member of our church here and became a Christian. Uh, Last year, and so I, I've asked him to come and to share how this whole area of a uh, spiritual craving, how that's developed, how what that looks like in his life, and how it's begun to satisfy him. So, take it away, Darren.
1: Mm, share with you, I will. <laughs> that's you.
0: He's a big Yoda I, I fan. Could, I it, couldn't, you couldn't tell.
1: <laughs> Um <laughs> That's good. Well, after I, I really decided to make uh, God the boss of my life, I found that um, almost immediately I started actually listening to, uh, well, listening to friends and, and associates and even people here in the congregation um, and and actually hearing what uh, the scripture had to say and hearing what the word had to say and, and hearing it in a way that I hadn't heard before, which was kind of interesting to me because... Um, I, I I didn't really have that kind of insight in the past of how the scripture could actually apply to my life. So after hearing it, it, it really led to different passages in the Bible. And you know, I started seeking some of those passages, and one such passage was Matthew 7-7. It says, um, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Well, this really kind of was almost a revelation in in a sense because I I thought, wow, now I can actually go and look for passages that could apply to my life. So I started looking and I'm kind of a computer geek, so I would do searches on the internet or I had an iPhone application and and would use keywords to search different things and and started um, coming across uh, different passages that really helped me kind of get through different things. Anywhere from uh, tragedies that were in my life uh, I came up with a, a passage it's called the, A Time for Everything it's uh, Ecclesiastes 3 and um, even, even other passages I had a really bad work situation where one of my business partners betrayed me and I, it just really hit home and I didn't really know where to turn to came to another passage um, which is Ephesians 5.11.13 which is have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness rather expose them well, now I'm starting to see this pattern where th- that not only can I hear what's happening, um, how Scripture really applies to my life, but now I can actually go and find passages too and, and kind of read what uh, they have to say and how they can apply to my life. But it wasn't until I read or was led to this passage, which was 2 Corinthians 4:16 through 18, which um, it, that really helped me dive into the Scripture, and that says... Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an, eterni- an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And For me, like uh, one piece out of that was that our lightness and our our troubles our lightness and our troubles really provide a way for me so now this really just kind of blew me away now I have the ability to to actually find some scriptures so what do I do next and and really at, with some guidance I really had to get into the, the Bible and into the scriptures so I had to um, you know focus on, on doing some studying and at that point I was uh, brought to my attention about a a Bible study group that was a little more intense, and initially Josh thought that maybe it wasn't the right time for me, being a a newer Christian, and um, so I pretty much had to almost do everything but get down on my knees and beg him to do it. (laughs) Um, But finally... The reason why, I should clarify, is (laughs) most of the time is we can only
0: handle so much at once, and so he was already involved in in another group, so... He's, he was, but there was a real craving. There was a real desire to get more of God and His Word in His
1: life, and it was really clear that He really wanted to um, to do that. So, one of the things that the, and um, this I'm actually skipping ahead a little piece, but one of the things that um, was brought up in this group was a way to try and you know grasp the the concepts that are in the Bible and really. Um, you know, have them sink in and understand them and apply them to your life, and it was, it kind of has an image of what I'm doing right now um, with this Bible and holding on to it, and there's different pieces to it, and I, I, you know, part of the pieces I've already talked to you about, and the first is, you know, you you can hear what the Bible has to say, which is kind of what your pinky is, kind of a hand, the image of a hand, you can hear what the Bible has to say, but, you know, really, you don't have a good hold of it, Um, but then, you can actually um, read what's, what's in it, and that gives you a little bit more stability, but really not enough to, to grasp onto. And so really you have to then get into studying um, the Bible, and now you have a little bit more solid grasp of it. And um, one of the, during the studies, one of the things that we had to do was, was memorize Scripture. And I thought at first, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do it, I'll go along. I'll, I'll memorize the scripture. I, mean, I was kind of just doing it because that was part of the training and I didn't really understand the, the purpose behind it. But until I kind of got the materials and I read through one of the memorizations and it was it's Psalm 119, 36 and 37, which is, Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Wow, that's that's pretty intense. That, to me, now... Now I'm kind of getting it. I'm getting it because now, if I start memorizing the scripture, I can actually start pulling it inside and and that's how it's really going to affect affect my life. Well, this was huge for me because in the past, I had been really focused on well, you talked about the me monster in the past. me
0: me, 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 me.
1: I've talked about uh, you know my my desires, my things, my abundance, my work, my success. And in different stages of my life, that's led me to feeling kind of like a, a failure in some ways because I get to a certain point or a crossroads in my life and that crossroads, well, what, what would I do? Well, I'd reinvent myself or perhaps move or something of that nature. Well, now I'm faced with, I have a wife and I have children and I'm trying to do the right thing. So really, what's, what's the way to do that? Well, it's really to bring... Um, you know, put God first, and that's what I chose to do, so how do I really continue to do that? Um, so that was, for me, preserving my life according to your word. That's where I found the, the fulfillment, and that's where I found when when crosswords, uh, when I would get to some kind of crossroads, that's really where I started to f- put my, my attention to. Um now of course I found the things that I really needed to work on were were actually in in here and and not something external um, and so of course I still want all those things still want the the cars and the good work and the salary and God willing those will still come and good and hard work but I try to live my life as Christ loved the church um, as know, putting God first really actually allows me to to uh, to bring some of this home. Um, the other piece is so now I talked about memorization, which is the, the fourth finger here. And but really to bring that memorization home, um, the only way to to do that um, is not just memorizing it, but to really to weaving it into your heart. And, and that brought me to a, another scripture that we actually ended up having to memorize, which is Psalm 119, 911. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. That really kind of like really felt right to me. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And this is the piece where I think really as I meditated on um, and contemplated on what, what learning the scripture and bringing it into my life was all about. This next piece, which is I have hidden my, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And really, and once you start doing that and you put it into your heart, then you can actually live and, and apply these things um, to your life. Because now it's part of who you are. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm still not there. Uh, but certainly, now I have a, a guide. I have something to look forward to. So, you know, you can, you know, hear what what God has to say, you can read what the scriptures are. You can, you know, even study it, and you'll have a good grasp on it. But when you start memorizing some pieces, and even then meditating on them, you have a, a complete, firm grasp on it. So then you can apply. And so it's it's really been a blessing to me. And and really now I know that God has my back. Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. Pete.
0: <laughs> he- Darren kind of walked you through the, an illustration that we, we learned in that group about getting a firm grip on God's Word. So I'm sure he'd be happy to tell you more he, about just what that journey's been like for him just as he's developed this craving and how it's begun to fill his life. It really has satisfied a need that he was looking for. And, you know, we can try to satisfy that need with all sorts of things. Money, sex, people, um, Addictions. But God, God wants to satisfy us as we hunger and crave after more of Him. Let's look at the next, the next uh, point in Jesus' sermon here. He says, the next thing is, happy are the merciful. Happy are the merciful. This is Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. To, to the people who journeyed upside this mountain and who heard Jesus say these words, this was truly backwards thinking to them blessed or happy are those who are merciful because how could that really be true if i if i'm merciful how could i really find happiness out of that they lived in a society where the romans were kind of the government in charge they were the people that were in charge and for the romans mercy was a sign of weakness it was a sign of that this individual lacked courage the romans they glorified justice, firm discipline, and absolute power. And so when Jesus says, you know, blessed are the merciful, the Romans, they looked down on mercy. They thought this was weakness. So if you remember, if you saw the movie Gladiator, and I don't know if you remember this picture, but um, what was the guy's name? Uh, Who? Maximus and then the, the bad guy. Yeah, okay, whoever. Lucius. I'm thinking of someone else I think but the guy that Joaquin Phoenix played. But there's this scene where you know normally the Romans and the Colosseums, they were there to watch blood. They wanted to they didn't they didn't they weren't for mercy. And so there was this one scene where he, he has mercy and it's kind of a it's it's an unusual scene where he has mercy on on um, Maximus, I guess. And again, this is the culture where they were where, you know, that was a few hundred years after Jesus came that story from Gladiator, but just that was the culture where Jesus came to. And so mercy was just looked down upon. So for him to say this, this was just, this didn't make a whole lot of sense. Mercy is this. Mercy is to give help to the afflicted, is to rescue the helpless. Mercy is compassion in action. Basically, it's it's meeting people's needs. Everybody has needs. And mercy is meeting other people's needs. It's not simply feeling compassion, but it's showing compassion. It's not not just sympathizing, but it's, it's giving a helping hand to someone. This is when you buy someone a meal who's hungry. This is when you comfort the hurting. When you love those people who've been rejected, that is what it means to be merciful. When you forgive someone who has been guilty of a major offense against you or against someone else, that is showing mercy. And Jesus said, happiness is found by those who who work this into their life. They have this fabric of mercy. They have it in their relationships. They show mercy to other people. And I'm sure none of us wake up in the morning with this real desire to be merciful. You know, I just want to show mercy to you know my friends and family and kids. Instead, we wake up in the morning expecting people to meet our needs. We wake up with real desires that we want. We want people to to meet our own needs. And so this is backwards for us. So, but beyond the blessing of God, there's a promise. There's this reciprocal effect that mercy has. If you show mercy, or if you are merciful, you will be shown mercy. It comes back. There's this reciprocal effect about mercy. It may not come from the person you show mercy to. I remember once I, and this isn't to toot a horn or anything, I was in college, and I just really decided to take God seriously. And, start walking with him, and I I would normally, I worked for a sandwich shop, Hoagie Yogi, here in Riverside, and uh, I would almost always make myself a steak sandwich at the end of my shift, take it home, and I'd just chow down, because it was a nice break from cafeteria food from the college I went to, and I remember I had this double meat steak sandwich, and I had it in my car, and there was a guy begging for food, and I'm like, oh man, and I rolled my window down, and I said, you know, and I, I, I gave him this, this sandwich and he, he said, he grabbed it and he said, it's cold. And he walks away with my sandwich. He walks away with my sandwich and I thought, that wasn't exactly the response I was looking for, you know. And we, we have this thought that if we show mercy, then it's going to come back because that's what he said. But really, the one who shows us mercy is God. If you show mercy to people, God will give that back to you. He'll bring it back. In in many, many different ways. Ways that you don't expect. He will repay mercy on his own timetable. Jesus continues. He says, Happy are the pure in heart. This is verse 8. Happy or blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure in heart. We care a lot about purity in in our culture. We really care about the purity of the food we eat, For example, we have the Food Drug Administration that regulates purity for food and drugs, making sure that we're not going to get sick when we eat things. There are certain standards that the FDA uses when they allow things to be put on the shelf, so I thought it would be interesting to look up some of their standards. Here's some of their standards. For apple butter, anybody like apple butter here? If apple butter has a mold count of 12% or more, or if it averages four rodent hairs per 100 grams or more, Or if it averages five or more whole insects, not counting mites or scale insects, per 100 grams, then the FDA will pull it off of our shelves. Otherwise, we spread it right on top of our English muffins and bread. (laughs) Yum. (laughs) But that's that's the standard for purity for apple butter. Coffee. I know we've got some coffee fans here. My wife's a big coffee fan. I'm sure many of you love coffee. Listen to this. Coffee beans will be withdrawn from the market if an average of 10% or more are insect infested or if there is one or more live insect in each of two or more immediate containers. So don't worry about one live insect in one container just two or more then they'll pull the coffee beans. So you're probably safe. Mushrooms mushrooms can be sold if there is an average of 20 or more I'm sorry mushrooms cannot be sold If there's an average of 20 or more maggots of any size per 15 grams of dried mushrooms. So think twice before you eat your salad today at lunch. But we have these, you know, there are standards and we care about purity. You might want to log on to the FDA website and learn about some of these for yourself. (laughs) Think about the foods you really love to eat. But we care about this stuff. We care about purity, don't we? And you know what God does too? He cares about purity. In the fine details. We don't always know the Food and Drug Administration's fine details for purity. But God has very, very... Uh, he has a, uh, a very detailed... If you look through the scriptures, there's all these details about how He wants life to work and how He wants us to live in line with Him. He's very, very concerned with our purity. So people who are pure in heart have motives that are centered... On truly pleasing God. That's what it means to be pure in heart. Your motives are centered on pleasing God. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes, but because none of us are perfect, but in your motives, as you look at your heart and the reasons why you do what you do, that, that there would be a sense of, of uh, consistency. That's what God is wanting to see in our lives. At, in our heart, at the core level of who we are, we want to please Him. That's what it means. So Jesus says, happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This describes people who, who, who have one life before God, just one single life. We're not living two lives. You know, we, it's very easy to have a Sunday life where we just come and we use a lot of God talk and we sing a lot of God songs, and then we leave and we treat people like garbage the rest of the week. Well, that's not purity in heart. But again, it's not just to go to a Bible study or to a small group and talk about the Bible, but when you go into your business place, you shortcut, you're not unethical, you just you know that's a mixed motive. And so Jesus hammered on this several times. There were people, religious people in those days who the Pharisees who they were mixed in their motives. They would get real fine-tuned about certain things. They wanted to make sure that people were very religious in certain things, but, but then they would go and they wouldn't be just in their interaction with other people. And so their, their, their motives weren't pure, and so Jesus says, there's real favor on those who, who have pure hearts. So the pure in heart is someone who's trying to be the same person every day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's a struggle for us, isn't it? But this is something to, to aim our lives at, the pure in heart, have motives that please God. And his promise is this, if you you have a pure heart, you will see God. God will begin to reveal more of himself to you. He'll begin to help you understand how he's actively working in this world. He'll open your eyes to things that you just hadn't imagined you could see before. He's going to give you a clearer picture about how life works, a clearer picture about how he wants you to relate and treat people. They will see God. We'll just have God's presence more in our lives. We'll see God's presence. We'll see his hand at work. The last thing he says is this, happy are the peacemakers. This is verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. This can be peace on any level. Um, The first level, it could be peace at the national or the global level. I've got some pictures here I'd like to show you. So it could be peace on the national level. You know, do we have any people here who served in the military or any branch? We've got a couple. Yeah, I mean... Now, I don't know any, any vets who love war, you know, but I know there are people who are willing to put their lives in the line to, to, so that we can experience peace, so that people can experience freedoms. And aren't we grateful for those people who are willing to work for peace? And you know, it's, we want peaceful resolution to conflicts, and sometimes war is inevitable, but it, I, I'm really grateful for those people who are willing to serve our country and to make peace on a national on a global level that's really important and so the scripture says here blessed are the peacemakers those people who seek peace on a national on a global level those of you who've served you know there's a real there's a real blessing god will will bless your life because of that and um, <clears throat> you know and it, it's something that for those of you who have served it's this um there's a real sense where you're when you talk to people who serve in the military, there's really a sense of duty isn't there and and an honor honor that comes with it so um, so on that level, God will bless the military, those people who serve also god will will bless those who seek peace on a personal level. This is another level in our homes, on our jobs take a look at these pictures and among our friends, there are just so many opportunities to to have these petty skirmishes in our relationships, right? We can have just so many little fights, we can bicker back and forth and not have peace on a personal level. So there's one, this is another level. Jesus wants us to seek peace in our relationships, in our friendships, in our families, with our kids, with our spouses, with our co-workers. If we'll just decide not to throw fuel on the fire when there's conflict, but if we'll decide to be a peacemaker, man, it makes all the difference in the world. And then you're identified as a child of God. They will be called sons of God. That's what the scripture says. The peacemakers will be called the sons of God. There's a mark. Wow, they, they act like God. They must be one of God's children. Right now, you might be at a stalemate in a relationship. You might be just stuck because you've been unwilling to clear up a relationship with someone in your life. And um, today, you know, I would encourage you to, to straighten that out. Just to make a point to straighten out your part. To straighten out your end of, of the conflict. If there's something you've done that you've not that you've not cleared up, and you've done someone wrong. Then I'd encourage you to just seek peace with that person. Just try to straighten it out. Look at what Romans twelve eighteen says. It Says if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know we can only do this if the person is willing to have peace with us. But we can do our part, and generally we wait until until somebody comes to us because we feel like, well, we've been wronged by people, so they need to come to me and straighten it out. But what what you find in the Scripture is that the person, the first person who recognizes there's a problem is the one to go and straighten out the conflict. He's the one to initiate getting a clear relationship. So seek peace on a personal level. The last thing is this. God blesses those who make peace on a, on a spiritual level. If you've decided to follow Christ, you've become a Christian, then you've made your peace with God. And, and He wants you to join him in sharing his love with people around you. He wants to use you to help all people to come to know him. And so take a look at uh, these, you know, you see some people that are trying to help others come to know God. They're trying to help others make peace with God. 2 Corinthians describes the role we play here. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative of a ruling authority. Someone who represents the guy that's in charge, or the person that's in charge. So we're called to represent Christ, not only in the way we live, but in the way that we plead with other people to make peace with God. This is really important to God, that we would try to help people connect with Him. The verse continues, We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who knew no, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He's saying, this is part of our our job. If you follow Christ, part of your job is to to plead with other people to make peace with God, to connect with God. That's very important. And you want to let God do the convincing because He's the one that can do that. He's the one that can pull on people's hearts. He's the one that can draw people to know Him. But He uses us to share His story. He uses us to share how He's changed our lives. And this is a huge part of, a part of what it means to follow him, is to see yourself as an ambassador, a peacemaker on a spiritual level. Next week we're going to look at the end of this part of the message and looking at how there's happiness comes to those who, who walk through trials, who walk through um, persecution. There's things when we just suffer, there's there's Happiness, Jesus says, for those of us who, who have to walk through that stuff, who go through it. Um, I'd encourage you, if, if you've never connected with God, if, you, if you're not sure that you've ever made peace with God, then I'd encourage you to, um, to find out more, to investigate what that looks like, what that means. On the welcome card that's in your bulletin, you can mark the box that says, I'd like to learn more about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just put it in the offering, and then we can follow up with you on that, share with you what that means. We don't want to put pressure on you to decide to do that if you're not ready. Um, but this is a big part of, of, of what we want to be as a church, is helping people to connect with God and make peace with Him. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we just we thank You for Your Word and, and just, again, how true to life it is and how You describe things in real detail that we experience. God, we discover things just as we live our lives. And Your Word explains it. Your Word talks about this stuff. And so, Lord, as we've looked at how lasting happiness comes to those who, who can make peace, who are merciful, those who have cravings for, for the right things, and those who are pure in our motives, God, I, I pray that You would just take one of those areas and help us to, to apply that into our life. As we leave this place, as we go about our week, I pray that You would um, challenge us with one of those areas and that we would maybe even share that with someone, just share how we're trying to focus on applying that truth to see the difference you'll make in us, Lord. Thank you that uh, you know, you work things from the inside, that we can find happiness and, and peace on the inside and not just by responding to what hits us in life. We love you, God, and we just ask you to um, go with us today in Jesus' name.